Hey, what's up, guys? It's Eric. Though you folks would probably be Yankees fans, it's been my experience that most organized crime people are. Hey, guys, this is Joe. You know, it's dangerous for you to be here in the frozen food section. You can melt all this stuff. The FBI is hiding ex-gangster Vinny Antonelli in the suburbs. I'm a new man. Not the old me. This is the new me. And the suburbs will never, ever be the same. Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, My Blue Heaven, rated PG-13. Starts Friday, August 17th at a theater near you. You're listening to Worth the Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? How you doing? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Did you, did you do anything fun this weekend? I, uh, I saw the last weekend. I, I'm also not the biggest Marvel fan, but I promise you I'm not. I saw the new that Shang-Chi and the... Um, Oh my goodness, what's it called? Changing the Legend yeah, of the Ten yeah. Rings. Was it was that? pretty good too. It was, it was I mean, it, it wasn't bad. I'm I had the A-list membership from AMC. So like my brother oh, and I, we try it. Yeah, so like we can take a few movies, like I, I think it's three movies a week. And so like a lot of this is like my brother and I find the theories that are less crowded. So like we'll wait yeah. for screens and like if there's no one there, like, okay, let's use our membership ticket today, whatever. So it's been a way for me to see a lot of these movies <laughs> that I wouldn't have paid for originally. Um, and did you happen to see that? I know you probably didn't watch it because it was. Did you? You didn't watch Blues Clues as a kid, did you? I didn't. That that was like uh, okay, a little bit. I'm a little too old for that. Okay, so like, I I dodged a little bit, but Steve, the original host, is like they're <laughs> like the third host now. I think. Okay. Steve, the original guy who did, um, you know, the first run for however many years in the nineties. Yeah, I could see his. I could see his face. Yeah. Yeah he kind of just like disappeared and there's all speculation rumors about like where he went. And while this may not be the true reason why he actually came out and made a statement last night. Um, and his like blues clues attire with like the yeah. backdrop, the 25th anniversary of blues clues. And he it was really cool. He was giving us an update. It was only like a minute long, but he was talking to the adults now, like he did when they were kids, almost yeah, like he would yeah. have like the pause, like, you all look great. It's like we've this has been like you know it's he was talking about how he's reasoning for leaving was he went to college and the experiences that we all had together back in the day was it helps me it's continuing to help me yep. and it was really like it was really sweet actually like the, I don't know what it was about it but it was like I saw a post on Reddit and for the first time like that I've ever seen a Reddit post there was nothing but positive comments. So if you if you had a chance, even if someone who's isn't really nostalgic for Blues Clues, watch this clip. I'll send it to you after. It's a minute long, but man, like it, it's kind of emotional. Like it got me a little emotional last night. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you know what's funny is I saw like on Instagram today. I saw these like memes of Blues Clues as of him, but I didn't like care to look into why it was. I just figured it was like you know memes circulate. And they uh, you know sometimes there's not really a reason for it. So that makes more sense now. It's a really, I'll send it a clip after. It's really sweet. I, because uh, you were talking about the theater, I thought my wife and I were going to be going to Chunky's soon because I got this email from them about how they're doing a showing of my big fat Greek wedding. And that's like <laughs> one of, that's one of Bree's favorite movies or a movie she really likes. So I was like, oh, you know, so I talked to her and I was like, because I don't know, she's still like 
and we're both still like we try to limit how much we're yeah inside and whatever yep. so i was like hey i don't know if you feel comfortable but this is like one of your favorite movies and she was like yeah you know i'd feel comfortable doing that so we uh we i looked at the, in, into buying tickets but i'm not gonna not to hate on chunkies but it's a lot of money it comes with a, a greek dinner oh okay so you can't just like see the movie with all the dinner exactly i was like so brie and i are like we'll just go out to like one of our favorite greek restaurants buy get dinner and then come watch home the movie yeah, right exactly so i'm so i was hoping they would write back to us after tagging them on that chili that chili factor post i was really like hoping like they'd be like we're gonna let's look into it let's add yeah. chili factor back for me yeah. <laughs> right. at least give me a little bit of hope nope I went up to uh, this past weekend. We went up to Northern, like way up in the White Mountains in New Hampshire, for a, a wedding celebration for two friends that I train with, and it was amazing. They so congratulations to James and Sarah. They actually got married on their own like a month ago or so, but they basically just threw a party, like a barbecue almost. It, they rented out a, a house in the mountains and threw like a barbecue. Like, what wedding can you say this about? We had like a wiffle ball game. We like had a bonfire and had s'mores. That's and then, awesome. Uh, and then the next day we took the train up Mount Washington, the Cogs Rail or whatever it's called up Mount Washington. So it was awesome. It was oh, just man. like super relaxed and yeah, it, it was great. And it's and they're just such they're two great people. So congratulations. congratulations. Yes. Yep. Um also I went to my I know you know this, but went to my first Sox game last night in like two years or so because of COVID. So that was really fun. Great seats that we got from my wife's. I don't know if he's her cousin or her uncle. It's like we call him. Uh, I think she calls him an uncle, but it might technically be a cousin. But it's the age difference. But crazy seats. And it was going well until the Red Sox got manhandled by the Rays. But um, so that was good. And then the one negative thing. I'm so glad that on this podcast, every episode, I've talked about how much I love The Wire. Because oh, I know because I don't want to seem like, so if you think I'm one of those people that's like uh, someone passes away and then they're like pretending to be a fan, you haven't listened to this podcast before. Cause I don't think I've gone one episode without mentioning the wire and, and Michael K Williams, his character, Omar is my favorite character. I think he's everyone's favorite character in the wire. And he unfortunately passed away a couple of days ago and man, I put it up. We put, I put post something about it on Instagram, but, he really, if you, if I try to get someone to watch the wire, if I was trying to convince them to watch the wire, I would show them like an Omar highlight. Cause he's like one, he, he's probably one of the greatest characters in TV history. Um, and he, him as an actor, absolutely unbelievable. So underappreciated and such a shame to, to lose him. It really is. He, other than the wire, he was in boardwalk empire. He was in, you know, 12 years of slave gone, baby gone. He was in a few other things, but definitely most well-known for the wire and if you haven't watched the wire and you've you need a that extra push to go back and watch it maybe use this as a as some motivation and really you i you will not be disappointed and you will agree with me after watching it when i say that omar's character is one of the greatest characters in the history of tv and then michael k williams is no one could have done what he did in that show so rest in peace michael k williams that really big downer but his acting was so diverse like because i just watched him in community a couple of nights yep. back and he yep. does like like you said going from comedy because he's done a few episodes of community going from comedy to that and 
now that like after his passing, unfortunately, we have this news that he also did poetry and like he was just super talented. Super oh yeah, talented I saw guy. a video. I saw a video of him like a year ago or something, right after DMX died, doing like um he was doing like kind of like kind of like poetry, not quite rapping, but he was like almost performing as DMX, but not really. Um, yeah, and, and that show, and especially his role in that show was so ahead of his time because and this isn't really a spoiler but he was he was gay in the show right and that, and that's was, why it's so like why it's so ahead of its time his character right. because he they, they treated with respect with respect and and before that like if you were before that and even still some for a lot of times after that if you were in a tv show and you were gay you were portrayed as a male you were portrayed as like this like kind of you know not a tough guy and and Omar and the Wire is the baddest mother effort in the world. So it's, oh, yeah. I like really go back and watch that show for a million reasons, but especially just to, if you're, if you want to see how talented that guy was, go back and watch that show. So he um, is currently, like well, before his past, unfortunately, he was the front runner for an Emmy win from Lovecraft Country, which is having yep. demos are coming up pretty soon. But now it's pretty much just, and that's unfortunate, but it pushed to solidify the fact that he will yeah. probably win that Emmy now. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So rest Which will be his first Emmy win, unfortunately. Right. Which is ridiculous. I know. It's just surprising after all the like right. how you right. know inspirational his character was from the wire. But anyway, to get to get to, to positive, well, I'll let Joe get into you guys heard the trailer and you heard our quotes, and I'll let Joe explain a little bit more what we're watching. But the beer that I picked out for it is called the Original Gangsters. It's a sour from uh Berkshire Brewing and uh, it's actually a, a, like a, a partnership between them and Amherst Brewing. It's a sour and I've said before I'm not always a fan of those. It's kind of like a hot and cold thing with me but I really really like this one. It has oh, to, I like that. yeah, they, it's good. really good and they say on the can that it has like cherry and raspberry flavors in it but a lot of beers say that they have like a certain flavor and then you take a sip of it and you're like I don't get it. I don't get that at all. This you really do and it's so oh. definitely check it out. Not to go too, not before we get going here. Not to, I was gonna mention too. Just remind me. A pal came up to visit last week in Haverhill, so we went to the Barking yeah. Dog, and oh. I had a strawberry cider. Oh my god, yeah. that was so good. Where never, was it I, from? I Do don't. I don't. I, remember, could, I could figure it out. But yeah, it was like the woman just like I was gonna pick it anyway. So she just came up to me. She's like, "Sorry, sir." Almost like she assumed I was like, "Holy shit!" I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if you overheard me, but you weren't anywhere near me yep. for a little while. But yeah, like that's what I want. It was so good. That place has. I don't know which who your bartender was, but that place has uh, well, they lost one of them. One of them went to a restaurant across the street, but there's this one bartender there who is like a plus bartender. She's and Brie always talks about it too. She looks like um, I can't think of the actress's name, but she was in Entourage um, as like the one of the as as kind of like Ari's like female agent rival, um, but. Anyway, she's awesome, and they all know their beer so well. Like, and I and I feel like some of them don't even drink that much, but they just know, like, yeah. they know the game. So, yeah, I know that's a that's a good place to take pile. So, um, so yeah, we're, I'm, we're having original gangster sour from Berkshire Brewing and Amherst Brewing. So, and we're watching My Blue Heaven. Joe, I've never wanted an answer to this question more. I don't think not because it was like bad or that bad or anything. It's just if you had me name a bunch of Steve Martin and or Rick Moranis movies, our first. I would have never <laughs> guessed this. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about that more later. But why? Why did you pick this? So 
when I was picking this, I was on Reddit one day, and I've seen this once a long time ago in Maine from, like, the second half on, and I never finished it, and I enjoyed what I saw, but as far as, like, I went to, like, seek out, I guess, um, but like you said, there's been a few Steve Martin McCarranis films when they've done together, um, so it's kind of surprising how this is our first one, like, you know, Parenthood, for example, but this is, I saw a couple on Reddit, the grocery scene store, which is my clip actually, and I was in tears laughing. So I'm like, you know what? Between that and his new show just came out on Hulu with Martin Short, I was pretty much like, this is what we're going to be doing. So worth revisiting, and it's written by has a lot of talent behind it. So yeah, yeah. So you, that would you said your first memory of the film was seeing part of it up in Maine. My first memory of the film is non-existent i have absolutely no memory of this film and i don't mean like i saw it and i don't remember what it was about or i remember hearing about it but i never got around to seeing it i mean if you said like eric true or false my blue heaven is a movie with steve martin or in recommendation it would have been like a coin flip i would have been like true or false i have never steve heard plays this. an italian gangster <laughs> right that i would believe because he's so like He's so weird and, and whatever, but yeah, I, so I, this is my first time seeing this movie and I went into it with no expectations high or low, just like watching a movie. So, so that's good, I guess. Um, do you anything for stats, like how it did money wise? I can't I imagine so. it did too well. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't find a budget, but it came out on August 17th, 1990, and it did make 23.6 million in the box office. It was written by the late, great Nora Ephron, who, has been involved with some of the best rented comedies of all time, yep. including when Harry Met Sally, which was actually our first episode way back when. Yep. And it's safe to say she'll be making many more appearances in the future. Um, it was directed by Herbert Ross, who was also involved with a lot of big projects, starting with plays and then moving to movies. And he has hits such as Footloose and Sid Magnolias. So he's also... Yeah, he was more... His resume as a director is like, Meh. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. But his re- his resume as like a choreographer and whatever. And he play, was a dancer, a playwright too. Like yeah. His, yep. his like he did more plays than anything else. Yep. Yeah. So that's some not bad. That, for sure. Yeah, that made more money. That that did better than I would have guessed for sure. Um, critically, I couldn't find an even review, but just the the stats online, it's a six point three on out of ten on IMDb and a seventy one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and with Steve Martin movies. And I'll kind of mention this again later, but the ceiling on a Steve Martin movie, in my opinion, is like maybe a seven out of 10 on IMDb and like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes because his sense of humor is so like his own. It, it's, it, it could be the greatest movie ever. And if it's a Steve Martin, if it's Steve Martin's style, 20 out of 100 people aren't going to like it. It's, he's got his own little thing. And that's so I do have to mention that when I'm giving the score. So. You said it came out in August of 1990. Other movies that came out that month, Young Guns 2, The Grifters, The Two Jakes with Jack Nicholson, Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater, uh, Wild Heart, Exorcist 3, so not, not the most well-known, uh, Spike Lee's Mo Better Blues, and then uh, DuckTales, the movie. So pretty wow. pretty solid month in film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... It's a couple a couple sequels of classics. So like yeah. young, young Guns is like an 80s classic, not like it's an actual classic. And then X is, but Mo Better Blues is a, is a that, is That's a good. One. So is DuckTales. But... Right. Right. So outside of Hollywood, uh, Jim Palmer and Joe Morgan got inducted into Cooperstown. 
there's going to be a lot of baseball stuff here. I think it's just because it's uh, like end of summer. So like records are being set. So Jim Palmer and Joe Morgan are going to uh, get inducted into Cooperstown. Pete Rose started his five month prison term for tax evasion. So that one's not as good. Also not good. Mike Tyson was sued for sexual harassment back to baseball. And this is a really cool moment. You can find this clip on, um, on like YouTube or Instagram. Ken Griffey Jr. and his father became the first father-son duo to play for the same team. And they actually hit back-to-back singles in the first inning. And then I don't remember if it's this game. I think it's another game. But uh, if you, this is the clip that comes up the most of them playing together where Ken Griffey Sr. is going to catch the ball and he's like positioned to catch it. And then Ken Griffey Jr. like runs right in front of him and just catches it, like kind of like takes it right out of his hands. And it's a cool like passing of the torch moment, you know, between father and son. But so, Jimmy, man, can respect him. Such a respectful player. I could watch a highlight video of Ken Griffey Jr. swinging all day. Even if it was just the contact, there was no like, where did the ball go? That guy, dude, he was like, he was the role model when I was a kid. Like, yeah, posters of everyone Jr. on the board is, yeah, everyone. He was the first baseball player that I remember around here, around Massachusetts. That like, it was okay to like Ken Griffey Jr. Like, yeah. even though he didn't play for the Red Sox, even though, like, you know, you couldn't to to like the flip side of that. Like, I loved Tony Gwynn growing up, but I didn't know many Tony Gwynn fans just because he played for San Diego and whatever. But like everyone I know, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Ken Griffey Jr. So. <laughs> Especially after, you know, everyone else that he was competing against in that era turned out that they were juiced out of their minds. Right. So, anyway, uh, enough baseball talk. Do you have the, the back of the DVD summary for this one? Vinny Antonelli trades the mob for the witness protection program and moves to a small suburban California. But for Vinny, old ways die hard. He becomes a challenge for Barney Coopersmith the FBI agent in charge of making sure Vinny keeps a low profile before he can testify against his former mob associates. Barney, though, might actually be able to learn some things from Vinny. That is, if Barney can keep him alive long enough. So I just thought of this as you were reading that. One thing that I read after watching it, I read reviews, and when I say reviews, I read like comments on posts and stuff. It wasn't real reviews from actual critics, but... One thing that I heard and read is people mocking Steve Martin's like accent, like his like gangster East Coast accent. And it's a stupid, he's going over the top on purpose. Right. Like, first that's of all, the joke. That's the right, joke. <laughs> right. He's from Texas, first of all. Like, so like they clearly wouldn't have picked. And he honestly, the thing that drives me extra crazy about it is a lot of my friends from around here who don't really have an accent definitely don't have a new york accent when they watch like the sopranos they start talking like that a little bit like my italian friends they'll be like oh you know it's like dude you're from boston massachusetts why you sound like you're from like brooklyn right now why do you try to sound like robert de niro so steve martin was doing it as a joke so (laughs) it's it's a joke i give him plenty of the whole culture of it the whole I know this guy. I know this person. It's all like, obviously, like you yeah. said, it's up. It's obviously on purpose. Like I'm Italian. Right. My family. I don't. I remember to act like that. And it's ridiculous. So. Right. <laughs> but the plot in general, and we'll get back to this later. I think the plot of this movie is is good. Like in theory, it's good framework. I can see how it's a funny idea, especially if you get Steve Martin to sign on. I don't think I have any issues with the idea of it. I have things that I would tweak for sure, but we'll get into that later. Um, Some of the people going into the film and 
how they were doing in their career. So Steve Martin, obviously an all-time great. Uh, he was in The Jerk, The Man with Two Brains, uh, All of Me, Three Amigos, which that's probably the best, maybe the or that or The Jerk. Everything I said about Steve Martin having low uh, Rotten Tomato scores, these a couple of these would go against uh, that. But Three Amigos, go ahead. Out of curiosity, what's... um. Um. Oh my goodness! What's the movie we did with him way back when? Bowfinger. Uh, what Bullf- Bullfinger yeah. have? Is that is that decent movie? I can't remember now. That's a good question. Because uh, I thoroughly enjoy that movie. That's why. That's like that was our only Steve Martin from seventy or eighty-one on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So that's 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 pretty good. But it kind of goes with what I said. Like, right. He's got his own style to to the point where you know it's going to be tough for him if it, if the movie's him a lot a lot of him it's going to be tough to do too well. You know, on a score. Yeah. So also in uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, Parenthood, Father of the Bride, and quite a few other things. So, like I said, comedic legend. Rick Moranis, a fine Canadian gentleman, started with Strange Brew in 83. Definite future episode yeah. in a film. Have you seen Strange Brew? Nope, but I know what it is. I guess one of those films I know is like classic yeah. status. Yeah, so it's, it's one that, especially with me pointing out Canadians all the time, we will have to do at some point. <laughs> And then Ghostbusters, Little Shop of, Horror, of Horrors, uh, Spaceballs, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and its sequels, um, Parenthood in 89, Flintstones in 94. And he's coming back after 23 years off, off screen to appear in the new Honey, I Shrunk the Kids film called Shrunk. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Joan Cusack, who played Hannah, she's the other big name in the, in the movie. I think she gets overshadowed by her brother, John, sometimes, but... If you step back and look at her career, it's, it's impressive. She was on SNL in 85 and 86. Uh, more recently, she was on Shameless. Academy Award nominee for Best Sporting Actress in 88 for Working Girl and in in and out in 97. Also in Adam's Family Values, Gross Point Blank, Arlington Road, High Fidelity, and then a lot of vo- voice work as well. So pretty crazy career. And, and I wonder if you remove the names and you just put I know money-wise, John Cusack's probably done better. Yeah. But if you just put like awards and critical response, she's probably had she's probably pretty close to tied with her her brother. Yeah. And then their other sister, whose name I can't think of right now, she's yeah. also is it Anne or something? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. But anyway. Hopefully so, talented. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's our back-to-back Cusack films here with our podcast, which is funny. So I know. <laughs> uh, and you mentioned earlier screenplay by Nora Ephron. When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail. She got, if there was a romantic comedy that was super successful from 85 to 2000, she probably had a part, you know, or a good chance she had a part in it. Uh, directed by Herbert Ross, who we talked about, actor, choreographer, director, Footloose, Steel Magnolias, a few others. So that's pretty much it as far as everyone, the, the big names going in. Although it did have some other cameos, like Daniel Stern was in it. Uh, Colleen Camp, who played the hot maid in Clue. Um, she was in it as the doctor. Um, so it, it, it was a pretty well-rounded cast. So, uh, what did you have down for more for random facts, just weird stuff? I had a couple. Um, so this was loosely based on the life of Henry Hill, the same man who was the basis of Goodfellas after he went into witness protection program. So the film's perspective writers, Nicholas Pelegi and Nora Ephron are husband and wife. So we had that connection right there. That's the best part about that random fact to me. Yes, definitely. And speaking of Henry Hill, apparently he was not happy that this film was made because it was, I guess, loosely based on his story, which is, I mean, again, look at the the casting, look at at the movie itself. It's like Henry. I don't know what his thoughts are on Goodfellas, but 
Um, I bet you he, I bet you he likes it. I mean, or he probably definitely likes it more than he likes this. Well, for, for sure. And in Sweden, the movie was named How I Taught an FBI Agent to Dance the Marengo, which is perfect. Perfect title for the film. I should get people into the, into the theater. I don't. I don't think it was Sweden. I didn't write this fact down, but there was another country where this one had a different name. Netherlands. Netherlands, and the reason for it. So I've been trying to, like, five times this week since you announced that this is your pick. I've had to Google what the name of this movie is like ten times, even after I saw it. So the the in the Netherlands, this movie had to have another name because another movie came out the same year with that name which i think is so weird because this is such a random it's not like it's like an action movie name that you could use for a million times like you know the destroyer like you know what i mean it's yeah. like this is such a random name how did two different movies <laughs> and you know what's funny too speaking of like this, i had this written down just like as like a kind of a weird so when i was looking up this movie on imdb it's not listed as my blue heaven to search for it on like Google, it's listed as Steve Martin and Rick Moranis in My Blue Heaven. Huh. Yeah. I so they had to separate it. I think there was another My Blue Heaven in 1990, which is why yeah. they had yeah, the, the same I don't month. know why. Right. So like, I don't know why. Like, I, I don't know if it's the same month, the same year it looked like, which is, I don't know why you would put separate oh, yeah, this year. one with this casting. Like, you would have this be, be the fault listing, I feel like, once it came out first. But yeah. You think so, but I'm not familiar with the box office numbers in the Netherlands. Maybe, maybe the other one was, <laughs> was like, you know, the greatest film ever over there. But um, do you have any other facts? No, that's all I had. So I just have a couple other ones. Um, the part where Vinny calls Barney and says he got married, but not to worry, he didn't marry her under his real name, actually happened to Henry Hill. Henry Hill married his then-girlfriend, Shelly, while he was in witness protection in Seattle at the time. He got drunk and called his lawyer, told him what had happened, and said exactly as Vinny said in the movie. His lawyer ended up getting the marriage annulled. So... Also, uh, originally, this is this is interesting to me, and I would like to get your opinion on the, some casting possibilities. So Steve Martin was cast to play Barney Coopersmith originally. So he was going to play the Rick Moranis role. Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to play the role of Vinnie Antonelli. However, Schwarzenegger was soon offered the role of Detective John Kimball in Kindergarten Cop, a movie we've done, um, and left production. The second choice was John Travolta, and again, uh, Steve Martin was going to play Barney and John Travolta was going to play Vinny, but he turned it down to do Look Who's Talking too. And so since he couldn't find anyone else, he was like, I'll play, I'll play Vinny and then bring in Rick Moranis as Coopersmith. I don't think, I think if either of those two people, maybe Travolta at the time, but I think if Schwarzenegger played Vinny, it would have been horrible. See, I want to see what that movie looks like, Eric. I want to see Schwarzenegger pull off an Italian accent just because, like, this movie is already ridiculous. Schwarzenegger can't pull off any accent <laughs> at all. But this movie's like, for people debate, like, this movie's like, you know, they don't like it because of certain aspects. While Schwarzenegger is playing an Italian guy, I really want to see their opinion on that, like, more so than anything else. As I'm rereading this, it's going to. It kind of ties into like my my problem with my one of my big criticisms with on the film is is that it's clear that they didn't that there was some last minute changes. I'll just leave it at that until we talk later. Did you have anything down for uh, not in this millennium stuff that wouldn't fly? No, I didn't really have anything. The same, yeah. I uh, I got nothing. I, I this movie's pretty innocent. There's not any real sexual stuff, or yeah. it's it's kind of it's unusually you know 
bland. Not in a bad way. It just right. doesn't ruffle any feathers. What did you have down for your favorite scene? So I have, I've, I pretty much liked any, I, I liked both grocery store scenes with Vinny. The first one being like, you know, when he's, it's like second appearance on screen after being moved into the house. We see him walking on the aisles and it's ridiculous. He, he gets offered a sample and he's like, what are you, are you insulting me here? And then he walks down the aisle and the guy's like, how did I stay? See my response is, fuck you. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. just ridiculous. And I loved it. Both scenes were fun. And the second one was obviously the pick when he's picking up the girl. I love the chemistry between Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. And again, that's something that we see in other movies as well. So clearly, they clearly out, they work well together. Right. Um, and then, of course, the writing. Maybe not so much the plot, but the dialogue was strong throughout some of the some great one liners. Any conversation between Steve Martin and Rick Moranis, I was pretty much like completely invested in. So the plot was a little bit, I, I'll get into this, but the plot writing wise was a little bit every, scattered, but the dialogue was awesome. The, and the dialogue thing, that's why this movie would, this is not a movie that you can watch and truly enjoy like if you have your phone in your hand because all the funniest lines or most of the funniest lines this movie are like they're said quietly as like someone's walking away it's it's not like it's not like a look at me look at me funny movie it's like did he just say what i think he said (laughs) so yeah i had for my favorite scene i had two things down i had the scene uh where martin and moranis are in the hotel room watching the news and moranis calls in for room service asking for italian food and this is a good example of that so he calls through a service, asks for Italian food. He said, uh, he says something like, oh, what do you, would like some Italian food. And then he, like, there's a pause. He says, oh, what does that Italian dressing come with? Salad? Or come on, salad? And then, and then he says, what kind of pasta does that come with? And he gets excited to say macaroni and cheese to Steve Martin. Yeah. I was cracking up to myself. Um, and then runner up. Oh, go ahead. I would say about that scene too. I love how, like, his mind is set on. He's like, he's going like this because he has his mindset on like this other like big time Italian restaurant. So I'm working with Sylvia trying to sell him on hotels, mac and cheese. Right. It's so that's the same so thing. <laughs> and then uh, my runner up to that would be uh, Steve Martin giving the speech to the two kids on why you never take your wallet on public. Uh, to, like just giving that speech to two little kids that are at the Padres game. And it's while the national anthem is being sung <laughs> at the Padres game. And that was just particularly funny these days because it, everyone like all the talk of like what you're doing during the national anthem and not doing during the national yeah. anthem. I was, that, that was cracking up. So Dude, some of the small scenes are so funny. Like Steve Martin <laughs> mowing the lawn in his suit. It's just like, some things are just like, like you said, little details like that, where it's just like, you could easily miss if you're not paying attention. It's just, this yes. movie moves very fast, whether it's right. good or bad. Right. So uh, do you have down for the soundtrack? Yes. Um, so I really enjoy this film soundtrack. It has some really good songs. Songs that I loved. I going into this, like the boy from New York City and anything Beach Boys related. Some of the other great songs from the soundtrack were uh, My Blue Heaven by the great Fast Domino, Stranger in Paradise by a little known artist named Tony Bennett, and other classic songs. On top of the great lessons music, the score is composed by Ira Newborn, who's been involved with other great projects, a lot from John Hughes, actually, such as Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and 16 Candles which is another older podcast episode. Look at all these shout-outs we've had today so far. This is exciting. I know, a lot of overlap. But I thought, so, I thought the soundtrack was great, though. What did you think of it? I thought the soundtrack was uh, not bad, not, not great. Uh, and I, I know this is a comedy that's kind of like mocking the mob lifestyle, but I have, I have 
high expectations for anything related to Italian mob movies because like Goodfellas, Bronx Tale have some of the best soundtracks of all time. And I love that type of music. Like I love Frank Sinatra stuff. I love all stuff. So it didn't live up to those. Those are big shoes to fill, but it it was good. Now I mentioned this earlier. So as far as if we could change anything in the movie, I'll I'll go first with this. And this is what I was saying when I was saying, as I'm rereading this stuff, it makes a little bit more sense to me. I needed way more Steve Martin and Rick Moranis scenes there when they're together they're so good and if i think more of the i think that if more of the film was just those two going back and forth it would have been great they're just they're so different it's like oil and water but it 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 works and they've worked together before the chemistry's there use it now after you read that they didn't write this with rick moranis in mind they didn't even write this thinking that steve martin was going to play Vinny. It makes a little bit more sense, but I think that once you make that switch and you know those two are playing the opposing roles, you gotta you gotta give me more Steve Martin, Rick Moranis scenes. I think it would have taken the film to like a whole nother level if if they did. Yeah, I agree. I put that down as well. They had I've already mentioned a couple of times like they, the chemistry between them is so good. We they, clearly they work well together because they've worked on future projects too, a couple others. Um, but on top of that, I also had. But the first act starts off really, really slow, I thought. And during my early notes, I actually had, other than the writing, the plot sort of goes nowhere for a little bit. But then for yep. the second act and third act, it definitely picks up, but maybe too quickly and adding too much to what's going on already. So it started to be a bit tough to keep track of other characters who are all of a sudden getting more screen time later in the film, like the female cop and Vinny's future love interest. I feel like the pacing was kind of off. I'm going kind of slow. Then all of a sudden going from like zero to 60 and we have all this happening. We have mall bosses trying to shoot up Vindy constantly. We have um, all those little side gigs and just a lot happened, but it was like, again, the dialogue between the characters, specifically Rick Morris and Steve Martin really kept me invested in this from start to finish though. Yeah, no, they, that, that was, that was definitely the, the best part of the movie. So um, we've talked about what we liked, what we, would change so if you listen to the podcast before you know that this is the part where we give our scores and we rate movies on a scale of one to five would you mind paying a leafy to keep this movie so a score of one is during that slow start like joe was just talking about you're just like this is stupid i'm I, you know it's not worth my time i'm going to return it so i don't have to pay a late fee all the way up to a score of five which is i'm going to keep it an extra day or two or three uh so i can watch it a few more times show it to my friends maybe even just buy this the video from the from the rental store so you don't have to bring it back so it was Joe's pick, so I'm going to go first. This movie is, like I've said a few times, is not for everyone, but I liked it. Uh, you have to be a fan of Steve Martin's like weird, quirky sense of humor, and if you are, you'll like that one. I think it's entertaining, and, and it's, it's like perfectly okay. I don't know that I'll ever want to sit down and watch it again. If it was on TV and I caught it at, at the right time, I might watch it for a little bit. Um, Definitely not mad that I watched it. I was going to give it a higher score, but I could count on probably one hand the amount of people that I could recommend this to just because, like I said, it's its own little... You have to have a certain sense of humor and you have to really appreciate Steve Martin's style. So I took a little bit off for that. Three out of five. Okay. So I, I'm pretty close to where you where you are right now with it. The movie has three great leads. Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, and John Cusack. They all kill it in their roles. 
And Martin and Marina specifically, they have a little more screen time together than the other characters do. And when they do, they have amazing chemistry. And like you mentioned before, you kind of wonder what would have what would have been if they had more screen time together, because they when they were on screen together, not solo acts, not focused on Joan or whoever. When they were together, it was really fun and you kept, it kept you invested. Um, but I do think the plot pacing was kind of scattered from going starting off really slow to adding too much too quickly, and it kind of got confusing. Like again, I know characters' names or if they're all of a sudden, you know, going to be taking a bigger role in this movie, but I have, I, I enjoy the movie. It's not Nora's best, but it has some great dialogue, has some really funny scenes. And I end up giving it a 3.25. So, yeah, that's fair. That it, It's tough to like listening to you say it. Um, when you say like, Oh, it's Nora's best. If you compare this to Nora's, best or steve martin's best or rick right. moranis best it's dog shit right and that's not that's not a knock that's, on this. it's not it's, it's just it's just big shoes to fill right I, and i i think i i feel like this movie made me appreciate bowfinger a little bit more because i think bowfinger is like a polished a more polished version of this i think i gave bowfinger a three out of five and as i'm like thinking back and i would go back and change that either bump this down. I don't want to bump this down. Maybe I'd give Bowfinger what you gave it. Yeah. What you gave this a 3.25. Because I think that this that Bowfinger was better than this. But it was like I said, it was enjoyable. I don't regret watching it at all. It's just that it's its own it's a weird style. You have to be it's definitely a film I want to show to my obnoxious Italian family members 100 percent Yeah this is what you look like. (laughs) You show them that and then watch Jersey Shore. Like this is who's representing our people it's so, now. It's so fun though. Like the whole I know everyone, I know I know someone, I know someone like you know has all these connections. My uncle just like that. I'm like, oh, I'm like just right. crazy. Like I talk to my cousins about this. We laugh about it all the time. Like you don't know shit. Right. You don't know anyone. The thing I always say to when Italian people start saying they're like, you know, don't don't say anything or you know between you and me, my uncle or my cousin <laughs> is whatever. It's like if your uncle or your cousin was actually what you're saying they were, and you were going around telling people that, you'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, I hate to break it to you, but you you can't go around the people that are actually connected like that. They don't go around at like barbecues and tell the people that they just met. But uh, um, anyway, ori- speaking of that, original gangsters from uh, Amherst and Berkshire Brewing is delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how it all it all ties together. Uh, check that out if you can get it. I got it at RMA, unofficial sponsor of the pod in Amesbury, um, Amesbury, Mass. Follow us on Instagram. Suggestions are always welcome. Uh, we're worth a late fee on Instagram. Uh, we'll be back next week, and it's it's my pick next week. So, since it's my pick, school started up again recently. Not for me, obviously. I'm 36 years old, but uh, for others. And also, because of that, and also because this episode will probably be published around Easter, so maybe forget that I said the school thing. But Fuck out of it. <laughs> give me a break on that. But with school starting up again, I wanted to do a high school movie. And I originally had one of my favorite movies of all time picked out that I won't mention, but I decided to switch it up to a movie that I've, I've seen, but not in a very long time. And I'm honestly not sure what, how much I like it, what score I'll give it at all. It's been a long time. It's a total wild card pick. So came out in 1983. We're going to be rewatching risky business with Mr. Mr. Tom. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 one of those '80s movies where certain people love it, certain people, you know, 
not so much but and tom cruise is a weird person for me because i think he's kind of a tool but he does make a lot of really good movies so he does and like you realize all these things like he really does advocate for their actors too so like he is uh, for his job he's really good for, with his job with other actors and but like you said, personal stuff. Yeah, he's he's a he's a weird dude. A little odd. <laughs> I think I, not to not to like totally defend. Not that everything's like you can't forgive everything for this. What I'm about to say, but I give celebrities so much more room if they get super famous at a young age, because you're like Tom Cruise is relatively young when he's became famous, and he's been pretty much tier one celebrity since then. And that you that can't not go to your head, like just everyone saying yes to you and just like kissing the ground you walk on. But anyway, yeah. So we'll be back next week with Risky Business from uh, starring Mr. Tom Cruise. Thank you guys very much for for listening to this and talk to you next week. As always, thank you.